Hey, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today because we want to stay connected with you throughout your week. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus. So without further ado, here's the message. So good to be together. If you're visiting with us, special Merry Christmas to you. Uh, this is the last week that uh, we're in this Christmas series called Christmas Classics. And what we've been doing is taking a few classic Christmas movies and kind of using them as springboards to talk about the Christmas season. In the first week, we talked about Home Alone, and we talked about how Christmas can be a lonely time for a lot of us, and how do we get through that? And then last week, we did Miracle on 34th Street, and we talked about the miracle of the incarnation. God became flesh. That is the miracle of Christmas. And so today we're going to close it all out by talking about a Christmas story. I'm curious how many of you have seen a Christmas story? Yeah, it's a great movie. It's really a classic movie set in the 1940s in rural Indiana. Follows the uh, escapades of a little nine-year-old boy named Ralphie Parker. And when you, when you watch a Christmas story, it it becomes really evident that uh, one thing uh, you can associate with the Parker family, that's chaos. It's a movie about chaos. I mean, it's, it's Ralphie being terrorized by town bully Scott Farkas. It's Flick being triple dog dared to stick his tongue on the flagpole. And when he does, it gets frozen to the pole. It's Ralphie's dad's leg lamp getting smashed to smithereens. It's Ralphie waiting for weeks to get his orphan Annie secret decoder ring to decode the message he keeps hearing and only to discover the message. You remember the message? Drink more Ovaltine, right? But in the midst of all the chaos of the movie, there's one thing that keeps Ralphie focused, and that's his his one desire, his only wish for Christmas, and that's a Red Rider carbine action, 200 shot, BB gun with the compass in the stock, right? And he tries to tell everybody that's what he wants for Christmas. He tells his mom, he tells his teacher, every person he tells often replies back to him, Ralphie, you're not going to get that because you'll shoot your eye out, kid, right? So he's got one more act of desperation. There's only one guy who he can get that message to. And here's the scene I want you to take a look at. Take a look at this clip. Come on, kid. Ho, ho, ho. Come on. Come on up. Come on up there. Ho, ho, ho. Christmas, little boy. Uh, my mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? <laughs> Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no! What was I doing? Wake up, stupid! Wake up! No!
You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Well, before the season's over, you got to watch A Christmas Story. At the end of the movie, Ralphie unwraps that last gift. It is indeed the BB gun that he wants. He takes it out to his backyard, fires off one shot, and what almost happens? Almost shoots his eye out. But the last scene of the movie, the very last words of the movie, as he drifts off to sleep, he dreams about firing off hip shots with that BB gun. And he says, it was the best Christmas present I ever got. And and there's something magical about Christmas. I mean, when you think about Christmas, it's the holiday of holidays. I mean, no other holiday even comes close to Christmas. I mean, Fourth of July is awesome. I I mean, we eat a lot of food at, at Thanksgiving, but Christmas really is in a league of its own. I mean, we don't gather together and sing songs at Groundhog Day. I mean, we don't, oh, Groundhog Day, oh, Groundhog Day. You didn't see your shadow. We don't do anything like that, right? We don't decorate our houses for St. Patrick's Day. We don't, on President's Day, we don't get out little presidential figurines and put them in the, in the Capitol manger and put them on our, unless you're in some kooky, you know, wacky cult, you know, you don't do anything like that, right? We don't decorate our houses for St. Patrick's Day. We don't shut down the office for Canadian Boxing Day. Uh, during Diwali, Hallmark, Hallmark doesn't release a new movie every night during Diwali, you know. Um, NORAD doesn't track Cupid when he comes on Valentine's Day. There's just something extra special about Christmas. I mean, think about it. Nobody else's birthday gets an Eve. I mean, did, did you, I mean think about it. Like, I mean, Jesus gets the day, but he also gets the night before. He gets the Eve. I mean, have you ever gotten an Eve? I've never gotten an Eve. No one the night before my birthday come over and lit candles and sang about my arrival, right? So there's something. So what is it? Like why? Like even non-Christians, even people who don't believe in Jesus, there's something about this time of year that captures even a non-believer's attention. So what is it? Why, Why is this the most wonderful time of the year? Why are we more friendly? Why are we more giving? Why are we more forgiving? Why are we more open? I thought a lot about that this week, and I I think the reason why Christmas is always gonna be in a league of its own is because Christmas gives us something that no other thing can give us, and that's hope. Christmas is really about one thing, and that is hope. I, I mean, it's the one thing we all need. It's the one thing we all want, and maybe your hope is maybe your marriage is grown cold and your hope is that your marriage could be rekindled. Maybe you've got relationships that are broken and fractured and your hope is, man, I just want those relationships mended. Hope is what we need. I read about Major F.J. Kushner and he was, he was taken captive during the Vietnam War. He was a POW for about five years and during that five-year ordeal, Kushner met a 24-year-old Marine who was brought into the camp and, and this 24-year-old Marine made a deal with his captors. He, he agreed to kind of serve their purposes. He agreed to cooperate with the enemy. So he became a model prisoner, and he led the thought reform group. And he, he did that because he was promised that if he did such a thing, he would be released. And, and so his health stayed perfect. His spirit stayed high. But over the course of a couple years, he discovered that he was being lied to, that 
that the Vietnam commander had no intention of ever releasing him. And when he came to that realization, uh, a guy wrote about it. He said, when the realization took hold, the soldier became a zombie. He refused to do any work, rejected all offers of food and encouragement. He simply lay on his cot, sucking his thumb. And in a few weeks, he died. How does this guy who goes from perfect health, perfect spirits, to in a matter of a few weeks dying, he lost hope. He lost hope. They say we can go a few weeks without food, a few days without water, but we die really quick without hope. Now, I want to ask you as we talk about the need for hope, I want to ask you a really intrusive question this morning. It's not one of those sugary questions. It's not one of those, you know, cotton candy questions. It's a pretty deep question, and here it is. Have you ever run out of hope? Has there ever been a moment in your life when you looked at your life and you just didn't have any hope at all. I've had such a moment. There, there's, a, there's a period of time in my life when, when I woke up in a dark tunnel and all I could see was darkness. I couldn't, all I could see was more tunnel. And, and I can remember there were days when I didn't even want to get out of bed. And when I did get out of bed, I was a walking zombie. I mean, I, I, I dealt with a lot of depression during that season of my life. I lost hope. Now, I hope you don't mind hearing a pastor stand up on the stage and say, man, I, I struggled with severe depression, and there was a season of my life when I, when I lost hope. I hope you don't mind that. I, I want you to know we're a church that doesn't pretend. I, I, I have no intention of being a part of a church that puts on a fake plastic smile and it's all good, rainbow smiles, happy thoughts. No, one, no that's, that's unrealistic. I mean, this is a real place. You know, we're not that kind of church. Some, sometimes life stinks. Sometimes it gets really dark. Sometimes it gets really hard. S sometimes you run a little low on hope. And maybe that's you today. And if it is, I want you to know you're in good company. This is a place for you. Maybe today you're in this church and you're like, you've been waiting some, for something to happen for so long. And all you, you've prayed about is, God, could you just let this one thing happen? And you've waited and you've prayed and you've waited and you've prayed. And man, it's not happening. And you're about to give up. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you, you want a child. You, you would be an awesome parent and you've prayed for a child, but you're still struggling with infertility issues. Maybe you want a relationship. You're tired of going home alone. And all you want is to share life with somebody else, but that hasn't happened. Maybe all you want for Christmas this year is for the kids just to pick up the phone and call you, but they haven't. Maybe you keep fighting the addiction, and it seems like it keeps winning. Maybe you're experiencing the pain of watching a spouse struggle with Alzheimer's, and they don't even remember you. Maybe this year you've lost your joy, and you just say, man, it's, it's probably never coming back. Maybe you're in that long, dark tunnel, and as you look down the tracks, all you can see is more tunnel. If that's how you feel, I, I want you to know that, that, man, we've all felt that. The people of God have felt that. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we think the Bible's just this picture of everything happy and cheery. It's not. Uh, there was a guy named Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet, and he would speak on behalf of God. And Isaiah told the people about a really dark time that was going to engulf them. And, and I want you, to, to, you know, to, to see that. If you have your Bibles, look at Isaiah chapter 8. 
Isaiah's going to talk about the Assyrian army is going to come and it, the army is going to take them all captive. And it's going to usher in this severe time of darkness. Listen to what he says. He says, they will go from one place to another. He's talking about his people. That generation is going to go from one place to another, weary and hungry. Because they're hungry, they're going to rage. They're going to curse their king. They're going to curse God. They're going to look up to heaven, down to earth. But wherever they look, there's going to be trouble and anguish. And look at the last two words. Dark despair. And again, maybe those are two words that you would use to describe your current situation. Man, it's just nothing but dark despair. Man, life was hard for the people of God. But Isaiah also wants to tell them that in this dark despair, don't give up. In this dark tunnel, when all you can see is tunnel, hang in, hang on, because God is a faithful God. And then he, he gives them this little next little line in the next chapter, chap, Isaiah chapter 9. It, it's where we, we talk about a messianic prophecy. There's hope coming. And listen to what Isaiah says. He says, nevertheless, that time of darkness... That time of despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs from the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now here it comes. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who lived in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God says the darkness is not going to last forever. Someone is coming. Hope is on the way. That's the miracle of Christmas. Thousands of years before it ever happens, Isaiah says, don't give up. Things are going to change. And that's the miracle of Christmas. So if there's anybody here this morning, if anybody listening or watching online and you're about to give up, again, all you can see is more darkness. All you can see is more tunnel. I want to tell you, man, the miracle of Christmas is just hang in there. Hang in there. No matter how long, how deep, how dark, light is, is coming. Light is on the way. That's the message of Christmas. And when you think about the first Christmas, that was the message that God wanted to make sure was delivered. Do, do, do you realize how dark the first Christmas was? I mean, when we sing about the first Christmas and we, all is calm, all is bright. No, there's nothing calm about it. There's nothing bright about it. I mean, really think about it. Think, think about how, how dark the tunnel was for Mary. I, I mean, you have this teenage girl who an angel appears to her and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. How's that be? I'm a virgin. Well, God is going to, you're going to be conceived through the Holy Spirit. I'm sure Mary left that place in wonder, but I mean, she's a normal teenage girl. So I'm going to be pregnant with God's baby and people are going to buy that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, the, the, the dream wedding that I've always wanted, I'll never get to have. I'll have to stare. Uh, all the people are going to stare at me and whisper. Yeah, sign me. I mean, th that was a dark time for her. But let, listen, listen to what the angel said to her. Look at Luke 1.30. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, you found favor with God. Mary, in this darkness that's going to come, God loves you. God is for you. Jesus is coming. So hang in there. And then think about the dark tunnel that Joseph had to go through. Uh, again, to be told by your fiance that, you know, that she's pregnant, but 
It's not from anybody else. It's, it's from God. I mean, I mean, Joseph has got to enter this dark tunnel of going, yeah, I mean, she's lying to me. He's going to quietly divorce her. What's the family going to think? What's the community going to think? How's this going to impact? In the dark tunnel of Joseph's life, an angel appeared to him, said the exact same thing. Listen to what the angel told, told Joseph. Matthew 120, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, he said the same thing to, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Joseph, I know it's tough. I know it's not what you expected. I know it's pretty dark right now, but hang in there. Jesus is on the way. It's the same message the angel gave to the shepherds. And I, I, you, the thing about the Christmas story is we, we tell the same story every year. You try to find a different way to nuance it, but it's, you, you've heard sermons on the shepherds how shepherds were kind of like gypsies, right? They're kind of like little, little leery. You kinda, shepherds were, people, people didn't trust shepherds too much. Did you know that if a, shepherd, if a shepherd observed a crime, if a shepherd saw someone kill somebody else, they couldn't testify in a court of law to what they saw because they were shepherds and you can't trust a shepherd. You know that shepherds couldn't go to church. They were unclean. They worked with animals and they couldn't go to church. So, so these shepherds were, were outcasts. I think that probably the number one hit song in, in the Judean wilderness at this time was Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Shepherds. <laughs> that, that was probably on the, on the radio. And as these young men were out in the fields watching their sheep that night, being a part of this group that was often ostracized by society, living their own dark tunnel, the angel showed up to them. And what did the angel say? Luke 2.10. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you're invited to go see him. You will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. In, in, in their dark nights, what did the shepherds hear? Don't be afraid. Right over the hill, born this day as the Savior. Light has come. Jesus enters our darkness there was a mailman that I read about who was taking his turn at the dead letter office at the post office. I don't know if they still have a dead letter office at the post office, but they used to. The dead letter offices where all the mail that was undeliverable went and people had to kind of sort through and figure out what to do with it. So this guy was taking his rotation at the dead letter office and he, he was fine with it because he had gone through a lot of tragedy his son, a few months earlier, had passed away, and this mailman father just wanted to drop out and not be with anybody. And, and so he kind of was relishing the fact that he could just be alone. And, and as he was sorting through the mail, uh, man, he just kept reliving some of the Christmas memories he had with his son, and, and he, just, he just wasn't happy at all. And he was going through all the letters, and he found one that was addressed to Santa that fell into his hands, and he had seen a lot of those during that season of life. And he was dealing with it, but there's nothing really exceptional about it, except as he looked at the return address, it was his address. It, it was coming from his home. So he opened the letter, and it was from his young, youngest daughter. It was addressed to Santa, and this is what the letter said. Dear Santa, our house is a very sad place this year. We're all sad because my little brother went to heaven. Santa, there's no need for you to bring me anything, but there is one thing I'd like you to do for me. When you come to our house, won't you pick up my brother's toys and take them to heaven 
and give them to him. I'll put them in the living room next to the tree. You'll be able to tell that they're his because I won't wrap them in any Christmas paper. I know he misses his toys, especially his Buzz Lightyear. They were friends. He carried Buzz everywhere. Santa, I don't need anything. But if you could, I want you to give my daddy something for Christmas. Could you give him something that would make him like he used to be? If you could, I'd be very happy. Could you make him laugh and tell me stories again? Santa, I'm sorry, I don't know what he needs. The other day I heard my mom tell him, I heard him tell my mom the only thing that could help was eternity. Santa, could you bring my dad some eternity? If you do, I promise I'll be very good. That was the letter. And here's the point. Santa can do a lot of things, but Santa can't help that little girl. Santa can't make trips to heaven. Santa can't wrap eternity. Santa can't plant peace in a broken heart. No one on earth can do that. When you're in your dark tunnel and you're dealing with that pain, I want you to understand how you can deal with it. You, you can ignore it and you can try to bury it. You, you can medicate and eat and drink and spend. You can wallow in it. You can be consumed by it. Or man, you can bring it to someone not under the sun, but over the sun. And that's the miracle of Christmas, that God would come to us, that God would join us in the darkness, that God would experience darkness himself. And, and, and when you're in it, the miracle of Christmas is, is he is too. Maybe the invitation today, as we talk about our Christmas story, maybe the invitation is for you to come back to the manger. You, you see them on Christmas cards. You see them in church plays. But, but maybe the invitation to you is to actually come and kneel. Come to the manger yourself. Come and see him today. See his hands. See, see the child's hands, the hands that set the heavens the hands that hung the stars, the fingers that carved the mountains, come and see his hand. See his fingers wrap around the finger of Mary and know that those little baby fingers that wrap around his mama's finger, that that hand 33 years later would, would now close around a Roman spike and grip it in agony. See his hands. Maybe you need to come to the manger and just hear him. Hear the voice that commanded, let there be light, and light jumped into existence. Maybe you need to hear the voice that, that brought forth land and sky and sea. Maybe you need to hear the voice that commands the angelic realm. Maybe you need to hear the voice in the manger that now coos. And to understand 33 years later that that voice that coos on this solitary night will 33 years from now cry out in agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe you need to come and hear the voice. Maybe you need to come and see the eyes. Come to the manger today and see the eyes of the child, the eyes that saw all eternity, the eyes that sees your life from beginning to end. The eyes that will see every high 
the eyes that will see every low. These are the eyes that 33 years from that moment will weep, will weep as he pays and settles the debt for you, as he makes you right with God. Friends, this is our Christmas story. This is the hope. This is the miracle that we all seek. Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose again. And my friends, he really is with you in whatever tunnel you find yourself in today. That is God's Christmas present to you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. If you're here this morning and you're facing some really tough stuff, welcome. So glad that you're here. If you're surrounded by darkness today and as you look down the tracks, all you see is more tunnel, don't give up. Don't give up. You're not alone. There is hope. And if you see a light coming towards you, don't think it's another train sent to run you over. It's Jesus coming towards you, walking to you, to be with you in the darkness, and it will not overcome you. The hope of Isaiah, the people walking in darkness, have seen a great light. That is the miracle of Christmas, and that's why it's so special, Charlie Brown. This reminds me of a great truth, that the light shines brightest in the darkness. Have you thought about that? I mean, you're in a dark room. One little match can light the whole thing up. It, the, the, the light of Christmas, have you thought about the, the, the imagery of that? that? That the wise men traveling from the east were only guided by the light in the dark sky. It's the light of Christmas. It's the baby born in Bethlehem. It's the light that God has sent to you. So my friends, in the darkness, great light has dawned. And may that light be your Christmas present this year. Let me pray for us. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope that message encouraged you to love, live, and lead like Jesus. To become a disciple that makes more disciples. That is why Fern Creek Christian Church exists. Hey, while you're already on your mobile device, why don't you go to Apple Store or Google Play and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today. On the app, you'll be able to see other podcasts we have, just like this one. You'll be able to stay up to date on Fern Creek Christian Church news and announcements, and you'll see events and the church calendar throughout the year. Man, you need to download this app today. I'm serious. Go do it. Hey, I want to take a second to invite you to worship with us on Sunday mornings, either online or in person. We have three services, one at 845 that we call our homecoming service. That features more hymns and southern gospel music. But then we also have two contemporary services at 10 and 1115. If you would like to give to the ministry happening here at Fern Creek, I want you to go online to our website www.ferncreekcc.org and click on the big giving tab you'll see on our main page. If you would like to talk more about the message you just heard or you would like to pray with somebody, call us at 502-239-9300. Again, that's 502-239-9300 or email us at office at ferncreekcc.org. Well, if you're not already a member at Fern Creek Christian Church, we want this place to become your home. So with that, hope you have a blessed rest of your week. Grace, peace, 
See you next time, church.